Welcome to College Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Sprint, the best phones on the best network, a brighter future for all. College Bar and Grill, check out our new location, 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. Welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest as we talk a little college hockey, even amidst the... uh, pandemic which is the COVID-19 slash coronavirus that is uh, attacking the world and um, now really attacking the United States. We are uh, quarantined at home. I am in Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host Paul Hornstein is uh, live out on Long Island. I will uh, preface this folks by saying that Paul has had a battle of his own. We don't know for sure what's uh, what's been ailing him. We think we might know but um, Paul has been fighting it um, since, uh, wow, over a week ago now. So when I get my co-host online, we will have a little chat about that and see how he's doing. Um, otherwise, the uh, the hockey world came to a screeching halt about uh, two weeks ago now when, uh, you know, everything just decided that it was uh, um, just, uh, you know, go a little crazy on us. So. Paul Hornstein, are you with me out there on Long Island? Uh, I'm here. That's about that's all I got for you right now. I hear. <laughs> I hear you. I kind of told the audience, Paul, a little bit about what you've been going through. We don't really know for sure. At least I don't know if you know yet, but um, you obviously have had the test and you've had the uh, the certain symptoms that we all uh, just shudder to think about. And, you know, first of all, tell us how you're doing. Uh. You know, it's it's. I'm in a weird spot right now. Um, too t- too tired to really do anything. Uh, don't have a lot of energy, but yet I'm not tired enough to just pass out and fall asleep, oh, which goodness. sucks. <laughs> what a what a miserable feeling that would be. I I, uh, I feel for you. You know, uh, and you know, this has been over a week for you now, right? It started last Monday. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The, the first time I felt anything was Monday, uh, a week ago Monday. I had a 101.4 temperature. Um, the next night, even I had a 100.3. Um, even while we were doing the show, because you know the show must go on, right? Right. Um, well, the hockey season isn't, but the show definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes you got to suck it up. And uh, and then well, that morning, my friend, and then, you know, the next morning, I'm. Let me tell you, first and foremost, coming from all of us here at Ice Time Hockey Southwest, you have literally sucked it up for us. And uh, I can't say enough, as I told you a couple different times today, that if you need to tap out tonight, I totally understand. And and you're the trooper. Um, I'm going to share a little uh, anecdote, if I can, that you uh, sent me. I, I asked you earlier this morning how you were going to be doing if you could do the show. And you told me you would do it even if you had to be propped up like a weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's, there is, that, I'm, I'm there. I mean, that's, 
that is that that this is going to happen one way or the other. The only way that this was not going to happen is if uh, I was in a hospital bed somewhere, uh, being much worse than I am. It's uh, been a very weird ten days. That's for sure. Yeah, no and doubt I still about it. Don't know it. anything well, yet? Yeah, you know. We, yeah. I mean, I know, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, and, and that's the crazy part. And every time you look at the news, you just want to turn it off because it just keeps uh, getting worse and worse. And I think we all knew that was going to be the case. Um, things are shut down. People are out of work. Uh, you know, schools are closed. I mean, it, it's kind of been a crazy scenario. And, of course, the hockey world and the sports world has come to a screeching halt as well, as we all know. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Yeah, so we, might, we don't really have any. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't go really ahead. have anything to talk about this week, so we might as well just stop now. <laughs> well, no, I'm going to stop you on that one because we do have really? something. We have two great guests tonight. We're going to uh, jump on here in about 10 minutes with uh, Greg Cameron from College Hockey News and, uh, and and tap into the little resources that Greg was uh, able to get his hands on and doing some investigative stuff to find out about the uh, the new arena at Arizona State. He's got some great news. I won't tip it off right now. I'll let Greg do it. Um, but uh, I think we're all excited to hear that news. Uh, you and I have been waiting for shovels for a long time, and it sounds like they're closer than ever right now. Yeah, it does. And we're going to follow that up uh, a little later in the show with the, the captain of the Arizona State Sun Devils, uh, Brinson Pashnuk, is going to join us. And I'm really looking forward to speaking to Brinson now because uh, he is a devoted man of faith, and I know that he put his faith uh, in God in coming back to uh, Arizona State this year to uh, play his senior season. He could have opted to turn professional, I believe. Um, he decided to come back and and be with his teammates at ASU because he felt like there was unfinished business. And, man, what a tragic thing to have the unfinished part of the business be completely out of your control. But a lot uh, of things if, to talk about. If nothing else, the unfinished business belongs to everybody this year. So, right, uh, that yeah, doesn't. That, I guess that that's doesn't the only thing uh, you kind of look at, right? That that doesn't uh, say much. I get it, and it doesn't. It's not much of a consolation, but you know, um, you know, it's always going to be in the back of people's minds. What if, you know? Yeah. So, yep, certainly is, and you know, for you and I, we're going to come back next year, be bigger, stronger, better than ever. But for uh, a guy like Brinson Pashnik and his senior teammates, that boat has uh, sailed, I should say. And, yeah. um, you know, he's got to move on with his life and do what he has to do. And, you know, fortunately for Brinson, I think we're going to find out that he's going to have a uh, a long professional career. I'm not going to say NHL yet, but uh, I, I think he'll find his way around the uh, the minor league hockey or Europe hockey or NHL hockey. So, Congratulations to him on what was an incredible season, and, and we'll have a chance to visit with him a little later on in the show. Uh, as I touched, Paul, uh, you know, last weekend we, we talked about just the devastation of it all. And when you look across social media right now and into my emails and things like that, you see, I think reality is starting to set in for people, right? I mean, ASU this week realized that there was not going to be a Sunday uh, selection show, and, and that triggered you know, a final thank you to the seniors and a great article from uh, Avery Klatsky over at State Press where he had a chance mm -hmm. to visit with Brinson and, and Coach Powers and uh, Jack Judson, I think, uh, in his article, which was uh, very well done for a kid that was dealing with his own stuff. Uh, Avery's just a freshman and uh, was already back on his way to Dallas and is back <laughs> in Dallas at home now. So, uh, you know, I mean, 
I, I can't even imagine juggling all that and still being able to put together the quality story that he wrote. But uh, shout out to Avery on that one, uh, and we'll have him on again, no doubt. He's uh, yeah. he's a great hockey mind and and really loves Sun Devil hockey. So okay, uh, so as we look I forward, mean, Paul. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 it's all right. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as we look forward, you know, one of the things that uh, that we talked about last week was the the speculation, right? The uh, right. the the guys that put out the uh, the pairwise and said if the tournament had ended, and and I told you my thoughts on that. I said, oh man, if it had ended, it would have been ideal for me because it would have been the way it played out, and they would have been in Arizona State would have been in Loveland, Colorado, playing UMD. We went through all the scenarios. We did. And then, then. USCHO.com uh, came out with uh, a let's, scenario. Let's, let's stop right there. Okay. <laughs> let's stop right there. <laughs> and this is not about um, biasness or unbiasedness, so to speak, on the part of USCHO. But their stuff was done based on one of their fan commenters from North Dakota. And so I don't take anything they say seriously. I'm glad you stopped me on that one before I got into it too deep because you're absolutely correct. I mean, it was, uh, you know, but but just to tell people out there, if you haven't seen it, what it said was that Arizona State would not have gotten in the tournament and teams like Michigan, Western Michigan, would have gotten into the tournament. Uh, they had Sacred Heart winning the AIC, I believe, uh, or the Atlantic Conference. That's, somebody had to win that, so... Yeah, so I mean, I mean, who knows? But and by the way, um, Sacred Heart just had uh, their first ever player signed by an NHL team. So congratulations yeah, absolutely. to absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, I believe the guy's last name was Cotton. I think yeah. one, and, and, and I and I think his brother played at BC. So it might probably uh, right. So I think that uh, both brothers signed. Uh, and uh, good for them, good for Sacred Heart. Uh, uh, Athletic Director Bobby Valentine has done a tremendous job building up that program. I am 100% biased. Now, I'm not going to deny that. Okay. That's all right. Um, you can be biased. We're okay with that. I, I'm uh, I 100% biased. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to pull for Bobby Valentine. Uh, I still wish he'd have stayed in the dugout longer with the mustache and the fake glasses. <laughs> I knew that was coming too. I knew you couldn't leave that one alone. But <laughs> no, <laughs> folks, I just want you to say that that just from an unprofessional part of it, my co-host is starting to feel a little better. At least he's putting on a heck of a show if he isn't. Hey, this is. The show must go on, right? <laughs> and, and if we have to, we're just going to keep calling you Bernie. As I told you, if I have to send over a prop crew to prop you up, that's what we'll that's do. It. That's <laughs> it. I'm ready. Okay. A couple of things that I wanted to get to before we get to Greg, uh, who will be coming on here in about three minutes or so. But um, before we jump into that, uh, you know, he's got some big news, and we'll let him talk, uh, let him break that out. But uh, some other things happened, right? I mean, Sun Devil's got a uh, – I don't know if it was a surprise to them, but I think it was certainly a surprise to everybody else to get a commit from uh, Wisconsin. And, and I, I don't, still don't know the whole thing yet. I don't know if he's actually going to be eligible this year, if he's going to have to wait a year. Uh, I don't know the whole details. Maybe Greg will know that because he's yeah, been I don't, digging into that stuff. So, 
yeah, I don't, uh, I've been trying to find that out myself. Uh, from what I'm told, he will be eligible. That's but, what I've heard also. But who knows? You know Exactly. Um, but the fact of it is, Paul, is, is Coach it, Powers continues to work his magic. When I, when I told you guys. I don't uh, know how he does it. Yeah, I don't know either. But at the end of, or towards the end of this season, I was saying, you know, he's going to have a team next year that's going to be even better than he had this year. And I was just looking at guys like Johnny Walker coming back, Josh Maniscalco coming back, uh, James Sanchez coming back. I mean, I'm gonna, I can't list them all because I'm going to miss somebody, and that's not fair. But just to throw that out there, there are so many guys coming back that that have experienced now two years of what possibly would have been NCAA tournament-type caliber oh, yeah. seasons. They know what it takes. They know what the travel's like. And then you add a guy like the kid from Wisconsin, and I'm not even going to get into it because I'm going to let uh, yeah, maybe, do this. And yeah, maybe Greg knows how to say his name. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that's really why you're waiting. Let's get it. Let's be honest. <laughs> he beat me to the punch. Can I say, his first name is Greg, right? No, I think And not sure. our guest, but the uh, – <laughs> the kid from Wisconsin. We'll we'll, we'll ask uh, we'll ask Greg when he comes on because he'll definitely have a clue on it. So let's take a quick break, Paul. Let's uh, uh, hear a little bit from one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back and uh, hopefully we'll have Greg Cameron online with us, and we will take it away from there, as they say. We'll be right back in about a minute, folks. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs. I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, and we're back with our, uh, our special show again. I, I hate to keep all these special shows, but when we have no hockey to talk about, per se, games to talk about, uh, it's time to bring on guys that uh, do some digging behind the stuff, and nobody does it better than Greg Cameron with College Hockey News. So, Greg, uh, Scott, and Paul with you here, and thanks for joining us tonight. Appreciate it, guys. Hope uh, hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone's healthy. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, hanging, I'm hanging out in Phoenix, uh, <laughs> laying low, wishing, uh, wishing I was headed up to Loveland, Colorado this weekend, but unfortunately, uh, the world had other plans. Yeah, that's All right. for sure. All right. I'm going to jump in right off the get-go because I want you to answer two questions for us right off the get-go, and then we'll get into details. Number one is Sounds Paul, good. And were, Paul and I were just talking about uh, Greg Powers continues to work his magic, and uh, how the world does he get an alternate or assistant captain from Wisconsin to join the Sun Devils team next year? And tell us how you pronounce his name, Greg Cameron. Uh, his name's Sean Doogie. He's, uh, for those that don't know who he is, uh, I think a lot of people are going to like his game. He's a little guy, but uh, he comes from the uh, U.S. Uh, National Team Development Program before his time at Wisconsin. Uh, he was at uh, Coyote's uh, development camp over the summer. He looked really good there, fit in well amongst the draft picks 
uh, that the Coyotes had in the scrimmages and so on and so forth. Uh, he, he doesn't play like he's 5'3". He plays like he's about 7'3". And uh, he'll, fit, he'll fit right in with some of the, some of the guys, uh, uh, the Willie Neerums, the, uh, the guys like that, the offensive contributors on the wing. And tell us, Greg, he's, uh, he is going to be eligible this season, correct? Do we know that yet? I, vo- I believe he will be. I don't know that for certain yet. There's a couple of factors at play here uh, with Doogie's transfer. Uh, but the belief amongst uh, Arizona State people is, yes, he will be eligible and he will be a senior. All right. I'm going to let my co-host take question number two because he knows what it is. You also broke another story this week. And, and uh, I don't know if you know this, Greg, but Paul's been a little under the weather for the last 10 days or so. It's been kind of a battle for him. So, Paul, go ahead and throw out the, uh, the second part of my two-part question. Well, here's the deal, Greg, and, and, and I have to imagine that this is the case. Uh, this Board of Regents meeting next week, for this whole uh, building, that's Scott. That's got to be a, a done deal, right? I mean, they're not going to bring this up to a vote unless they thought it was going to pass, right? I mean, it would be silly for them to do that otherwise. No, they're not. I think it would be silly that for them to place a fence on a parking lot too. Uh, if that wasn't the case. <laughs> and uh, it, it, from everything I've heard uh, from from a few people familiar with uh, the situation, that that is that is exactly. Uh, the case that we're talking about here there the the bid's been wrapped up it's been oh man it almost feels like a full year now but that uh that that only year open ah, yeah for this one right uh but that arena that arena bid process was started in the summer uh four different developers uh submitted bids and sundev partners won the bid for this uh iteration of the arena and uh, this, it comes at a good time. Obviously, the news came uh, by Jeff Metcalf at the Arizona Republic uh, on selection. What would have been selection Sunday? Right. Uh, and you know, it would have been it would have been a it would have been a joyous celebration for people around the Arizona State program. And now this is uh, this is just going to have to be the way it is. But that meeting between the board of regents, whether it takes place in person, uh, likely not, or uh, digitally, uh, more likely, obviously. They will, right. uh, they will probably send that through, and we will be able to uh, see, some, see some movement finally, some actual dirt being moved. Well, it, it, listen, it, 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 it does stink that, you know, they couldn't make a big show out of it. Um, but obviously, uh, with everything going on, this was the right way to do it. Uh, and, you know, not, it's not low-key but it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a big show of it either. So um, one way or the other, you know, the fact that this is going to get done uh, is, is what we've been waiting for. And I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, designs they have and how they're going to put together this building. Uh, it's supposed to have two sheets. So, ASU will obviously be able to practice. Um, uh, I don't know what the heck the difference is between quote-unquote private suites and loges, but I guess I'll find out about that too. <laughs> because, I mean, other than the fact that one is probably much more expensive than the other. 
they uh, there there were probably a lot of little kinks that they worked out during this process uh, throughout it all here. But I, the thing uh, the thing I'm most excited to see uh, is how it's received on campus. Uh, we've we've known the site's going to be on campus now for a little bit. Just just a matter of where, right? And they had to right. they had to find the perfect spot. They had to make sure that uh, the basketball renovation project uh, was able to fully stand on. Uh, two legs before they can kind of separate the two projects. And I believe that's what they've done now. Uh, the, the reason I mentioned the campus is because over the past, I would, I would narrow it down to the last two seasons in particular for Arizona state. We've seen uh, the students really rally around the team, start to learn more about being a, a hockey student section. They've got a long ways to go, believe me, but uh, they, they are, they are getting better. They are sort of, uh, learning some tricks, creating a little bit of a home ice advantage at Oceanside. And right. if Arizona State believes 5,000 people are going to fit in that arena, minus all of the suites and loges and, uh, uh, you know, all the all the bells and whistles, then it's going to uh, – a lot of the support for in the new building is going to start with the students in the uh, new student section. Obviously, yeah, well, let's, well, let's face the it. Nine four two crew will do their homework, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna wait to see for a little bit here, and uh, we're just gonna keep uh, we're gonna keep uh, building all the excitement towards Arizona State's first on campus home game. You know, all right, Greg. Just, go ahead, Paul. And and, it, and it's on campus. Um, you know, it's on actually physically on campus. Um, it's not that Oceanside is too far away but it's not on campus and this building being on campus and you guys know as well as I do um, when you win, that's all you need. That's you don't have to worry about selling tickets when you win. And well, that that's uh, that's the way it's been everywhere. So let's hope it holds true here. Greg, why don't you fill us in exactly on, the location, uh, you know, we heard so many things early on that it was going to be attached to Wells Fargo, that, you know, the renovation was going to happen there along with this building and different things. But it's actually going where right now? And how close is that to, uh, you know, Sun Devil Stadium and uh, the workout facilities and all that? It'll be on the Packard Stadium lot, uh, the old baseball field, old Packard Stadium on the corner of uh, that's Rio Salado. And uh, that's uh, what's the name of that rural, street there? Rural, rural, yes, rural. Uh, corner by the corner of Rio and rural, uh, next to the Packard parking structure, next to the track stadium. Uh, you, you'll be able to see the you'll be able to see some Devil Stadium probably uh, probably from the from the arena wherever it gets built, and uh, it'll be it'll be tucked right in. It's a it's a really good spot. I I liked the original spot. The whole connecting the arena to uh, the basketball arena idea. Uh, it, just, it just seems like maybe uh, expanding the space, making it a little bit more uh, of a conventional space was was, was the move to me. Uh, I, don't well, know any, I don't know any facts behind that, but it, some of the renderings of the old building were, were it was kind of getting shooed in there. There's a little bit of a, like a desert botanical garden type thing there around there that they'd have to build around uh, where they host ASU events during football. And it, it just seems like a little bit, a little bit uh, too much. Whereas over by the Packard stadium lot, uh, there's nothing over there except for 
parking lots and the very old, uh, ready to be demolished, uh, Packard Stadium grandstand and press box. Uh, so it, it seems like a it seems like a bit of a better spot. And listen, I, I think that they realized as much as they'd like to do something with the basketball arena, that thing's old. And, it is, and those renovations and, and, are going to be pretty difficult. Yeah, exactly. So I think when they got to that point where they're like, this just is not going to work, they had to figure out something else, and this is what they came up with. Not that I'm complaining, um, but, you know, it just uh, – you know. Once again, when you win, it doesn't matter. Nobody complains about a building when you win. <laughs> so I think uh, I, I think that's particularly true now too, given the year uh, the year off between the plans. We expected uh, a, a little bit more information on it last year around this time, and we didn't get any. And that was when the bid process uh, was was magically reopened, uh, going back to the drawing board for them for the final time, and uh, it wasn't. It wasn't so much of a of a calling card amongst uh, fans uh, of opposing teams, even fans of Arizona State and uh, people around college hockey. They knew the they knew uh, all that would come in due time. All that follows that the conference as well, uh, the conference affiliation, uh, potentially other schools getting involved uh, would follow the arena and the arena. Uh, was done uh, diligently enough, albeit uh, 12 months later than they intended. Uh, some of the other spots they were mentioning uh, throughout this whole process, throughout the you know five years that Arizona State's <laughs> been around before uh, before this arena, there was obviously the McClintock spot with the shared Coyotes venue that never ended up happening under the old Coyotes ownership. Uh, there was adjacent to the basketball stadium and there was a spot along the old ASU Carson golf course that they were also looking at that was in uh, some of the uh, some some photos of it were in the RFP as well for this arena so there were a few spots they ended up picking the Packard lot spot and I think that's the best one alright so let me ask let me ask you this real quick Uh, we know there's going to be hockey played in there but it's still going under the name of uh uh, what am I looking for? What's the word? Fieldhouse, correct? There's going to be other sports that will also participate inside this building, I'm guessing? Correct. They're going to move gymnastics over there, and they'll also move wrestling over there. So what we're looking at for the basketball arena would be pretty much uh, just basketball as well as uh, volleyball to remain at that stadium and the rest would move over. Well, okay. let me let me ask you this now, Greg, because we've talked about this uh, ad infinitum. The once this gets officially done, and we know it's not officially done yet, but it's done. Uh, this program's already exploding with a top five recruiting class. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I can't even. Uh, you you would think that. Uh, the coach is just going to keep is going to keep raking them in, and I don't know how he did it. And now it's going to be even easier for him to do it. Um, and this program is going to explode. I will be stunned if it doesn't. I ask people a lot about uh, Arizona State's ability to recruit nowadays, as as I've kind of gotten more into recruiting for college hockey news. And one of the things that 
everyone keeps going back to is they get the players that want to be there. And that's something the coaches have told me. But, you know, as this moves forward, they'll, they'll have a bigger pick of those players. Now, that'll also mean the players will still want to go there, given the right. new facility, uh, given that it's, you know, 70 degrees uh, in the wintertime. All these Greg. things uh, <laughs> that make you know, uh, it's funny. That make, uh... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just saying, uh, Coach always says, we don't want guys that want to play here just for the weather. Yet it's the first thing every one of them mentions every year, every player, every interview. Exactly. And I think <laughs> a lot of kids around college hockey uh, would be lying, too, if they if they said, I, I want to be uh, somewhere where the, the fans don't matter to me. I think a lot of them want to play in front of full buildings. Obviously, Oceanside – is a full building, but it's, you know, it's 800, 900 people at most. And it's going to change too. Uh, You'll get guys that uh, want bigger stages a little bit more, I would imagine. Um, And one of the uh, big, big, uh, sorry, one of the bigger sources of college hockey recruits, the national team development program, which we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, would, would be a nice, would be a nice box to check in terms of, uh, nabbing a recruit from there. Penn State just uh, nabbed its first recruit from the from the NTDP uh, this season for next year. That would be uh, that'd be something ASU probably uh, probably would keep on track as well. And uh, I would I would doubt that it happens uh, sometime sometime around the time the new arena gets gets raised. All right, Greg, can we can we keep you around for another segment so we can talk a little bit about. Uh... The hypotheticals that played out on this tournament thing. You got you got another fifteen minutes for us? Sure, let's do it. All right. Hold on one second, folks. We'll be right back. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether celebrating an overtime game winner or relaxing by the pool after a long work day, find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. All right, and as I told you, folks, uh, my co-host has been under the weather, and I've been pushing and prodding at Roger Klein to give him a bottle of tequila because I think if there's anything that will break him out of his funk, it will be a bottle of Mexican moonshine, Cancion tequila from Roger Klein. Any objections, uh, guys? I'm good. <laughs> okay, Greg, I, I told you that I wanted to uh, to jump back in another segment, and uh, we saw the hypotheticals. We saw what uh, – uh, the publication that you work for, College Hockey News, did. We also saw what USCHO.com came out with. So let's start with yours, and then I'm going to let Paul uh, jump in with the USCHO stuff. So so tell us about the hypotheticals, and, and, and I guess it wasn't really hypothetical, it was how the season ended, correct? Yeah, so the way we did it at CHN, the way my editor did it, Adam Woden, took everything as the as the end happened and then we uh, put it into a simulation we popped out the uh, tournament bracket and uh, one of the things that we did was uh, we made sure that everyone uh, was in the right 
regions. And what ended up happening was Arizona State would go to Loveland uh, for the regionals. Now, as we were getting into January and February, we were kind of expecting as a, as a whole in the media that Arizona State would be one of the teams uh, that the committee would put in the East just as kind of a, a kind of a filler spot, you know, where conference matchups would uh, would need to be uh, removed and so on. Uh, and obviously, ASU draws well in the East. It wouldn't be such a bad idea to have them there as much as, you know, maybe some of us wanted them to be uh, in Loveland. Uh, like myself, seeing as I'm around. Me too. Loveland. Count me in on that one. Cover Loveland. Some yes. of us wanted Albany and Worcester. <laughs> oh boy, that would be that'd be quite the travel. Um, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> for the Loveland regional, we had we we had uh, Arizona State matching up against Minnesota Duluth, who would be the one seed uh, in Loveland. And we uh, had Denver and Bemidji State as the other matchup in Loveland. We have uh, we have res- we have results from some of these uh, some of these games up to the Frozen Four that we haven't revealed yet, but we will be uh, we're looking to publish soon. Nice. I think one of the things with that uh, potential Minnesota Duluth matchup uh, would have been the high-powered defenseman that we would have been able to see. Uh, Scott Perunovich, obviously on the Duluth side, was just named CHM Player of the Year uh, today uh, over from us, and uh, I've gotten a chance to see him over the uh, over the season in person and on film, and he's uh, he's everything he's cracked up to be. Obvious candidate. He looks like the best player on the ice whenever he's out there, and that included when I saw them uh, in Denver playing against Ian Mitchell and the Pioneers. So uh, I think that would have been a would have been a fun one. Probably would have been a low-scoring game, too, you know? I can't imagine it being any more than 2-1 like it was last year. Uh, yeah, well, the regionals for Arizona State. Duluth, you know, they, they were going to play that way once the playoffs got here anyway. So Exactly. Uh, uh, between them and Denver, they have a tendency to smother people as we get later in the season. Um, and I did, we all know... Uh, Scott wanted uh, a Duluth matchup, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, uh, I put out on my Twitter feed, and you guys maybe saw it or not, but those are real tears when I saw that come out. I was uh, number one, wishing it would have been in Loveland because I think that would have been a nice, easy, fun trip for all of us. And uh, except for Paul, he would, had to, he would have to get on an airplane again and go somewhere. But um, you know, Colorado's beautiful. That facility up there is beautiful. And just to have them close and then to have that matchup. And, you know, I grew up 45 miles from Bemidji, so I would have seen Bemidji State, my alma mater at UMD, uh, ASU, who we now cover, obviously, out here. And, uh, you know, and and Denver, what more could you ask for, right? You mentioned the uh, smothering teams, too. Bemidji State's another team that does exactly that. They play really good defense. They were uh, in the, in the, I believe, in the top five. Uh, or maybe, you know, somewhere in the top 10 among uh, goals against. And they did a really good job of that during the season. That would be another challenge uh, if if that was the uh, – if Bemidji State were the victor in the other matchup. But uh, obviously remains to be seen. Uh, that's host Denver, too, that Bemidji State would be playing. And that would be uh, that'd be a challenge for them. But either way, it would have been a great regional uh, had that had that have shaken out the way it did. You know, we so, talked about we talked. Hold on one second, Paul, and I'll let you okay. jump in. Um, we talked a little bit, Greg, about the parity this year in college hockey from 
from number one to number 60. There really was a lot of parody. And uh, I think what you guys came out with your simulations just really emphasized the parody in each region. Your thoughts on that? I agree. These these regions that we came out with are, are pretty brutal. Uh, I think that like <laughs> probably more than last year too, when we saw yeah, I agree. Uh, maybe the maybe the best team we've seen in the decade, St. Cloud State, lose in the in the first round. Uh, yeah, and you know some of these some of these two three matchups are are absolute coin flips. UMass and Clarkson would have would have <laughs> played in Worcester, according to our simulation. Penn State and UMass Lowell, who played a game uh, over Thanksgiving break. Uh, it was a very exciting game. It went to overtime, and uh, UMass will end up getting the win in that one, I believe. Uh, BC versus Ohio State, Boston College falling down to the two line. That would have been a, a storyline in itself because they're a really strong team out in the East. And if there's an East school that could win, it's probably going to be Cornell or Boston College. So, or rather, would have been in the past tense, anyways. But uh, we. Um, we definitely have some really great matchups, and uh, it would have been it would have been good to see. Well, since you're not going to divulge things, and I don't blame you, <laughs> what's the point in doing that? Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, 2021. Um, is the coach going to have enough uniforms to put on people? Because I don't know how he's going to squeeze all so. these guys in. Oh my God, how he's going to squeeze so. all these guys in? <laughs> I, I think they have enough uniforms over uh, over in the locker room there. They're all just different <laughs> colors. So. Right. <laughs> because this team's going to uh, come back loaded. They are. And I think uh, I think a lot of people maybe didn't expect that. We we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of teams coming to see Arizona State this year as as everyone uh, that was in the media knows was able to see all the was able to see all the teams come by. Uh, when I when I found out about Manuscalco coming back Josh Maniscalco, uh, Brinson Pashkick's defensive partner. I was, I was, uh, I was pretty surprised. Not too surprised, obviously, considering he's a sophomore. But uh, he was, he was a guy that got looks in the draft last summer and had a lot of interest uh, going forward ever since Bruins development camp. Uh, I, I, I think it's a good decision for him. I think he's got a chance to be one of the, if not the best defenseman in college next year because he might be the best the most uh sorry the highest point getter uh among defensemen to come back and uh he'll, he'll be able to step right into Brinson Patrick's role uh he's got a ready-made defensive partner in Jacob Semek who he played with in Dubuque uh in the USHL so there's no there's no uh he, he won't be missing a step once once the season gets going that's well, and th thanks for leading into our uh, our next guest. When you're all done here, we got Brinson Pashnak joining us uh, for a segment too. And uh, you know, I know I've seen some of the quotes from him. And I was telling Paul as we started the show that you know what a terrible way for this to end for for Brinson in particular because of the dedication that he had and the goals that he had. And not to say that other players and other seniors on other teams didn't have the same type of feeling, but. Uh, you remember, Greg, when we were standing in the room in July and he tells us that uh, he's not done until he wins the national championship. And it was like, this just can't be happening. It can't be real. Just your thoughts yeah. on, on that suddenness of how everything ended. I, I feel bad for the seniors the most uh, throughout the country, really. And uh, in particular with Brinson, it was it was really a pleasure, pleasure uh, covering him for two years. Uh, he's, he was everything that I think uh, – 
head coach Greg Powers and the team wanted in a leader and, uh, and an Arizona Stater as well. Uh, really embodied what it meant uh, to be a part of that program. And, yeah, he'll be, uh, he'll be sorely missed uh, amongst, the, amongst the Arizona State media, I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. All right, we've got about five minutes, Paul. You got anything that you want to well, throw out at Greg? Something that's been burning underneath you for the last 10 days? <laughs> burning underneath me for the last 10 days, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, listen. Um, <laughs> um, I just, you know, it's you sit there and you're just trying to figure it out. Like, if, if, if Doogie is eligible, <laughs> I mean – what did you're gonna you're gonna be a team that's gonna be at least three lines deep? I mean, definitely. And uh, one of those things that we'll find out uh, soon, I, I believe, uh, probably given the given the way things ended here, is uh, the schedule for next year. I, from what I know, it's gonna be a harder set. It's gonna be a lot of really hard road games. Not that all not that all the road games for them aren't hard in some way already. Whether it be you know bus getting stuck up in Alaska or late flight into, you know, Rhode Island or whatever it might be. But uh, I think uh, I think next year in particular, there's a lot of road games, a lot of statement games, um, and uh, that that they'll get – the team will have a chance to get to make. And, uh, uh, here's what I know about next back. year's schedule. Go ahead. Here's what I know about next year's schedule. They're not playing 13 weeks in a row. <laughs> I would ho- I would hope not. I thought that was a very difficult uh, challenge for them. And, uh, it, it was definitely wearing on them as as as, uh, as time went on toward the end there. I think as we all saw. All right, oh, I'm yeah. going to throw two things that I know about the schedule. We're going to be making a trip to Denver because I know they're going to play Denver. I saw that on Denver's schedule. We also know that we're going to be seeing them up in uh, Wisconsin in the uh, the big tournament. So, Greg, as we close things out, tell us a little bit of what you know about the Fiserv uh, Arena. And the uh, the fact that they're going to play the first uh, tournament, the first hockey actually in that building, right? Yeah, that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty cool opportunity that they have up there. Actually, I was uh, I was shocked when I found that out in January, uh, and I said, I said, what are they going to do about their tournament? They're still going to be yeah. uh, they're still going to be playing their tournament. They're just going to go up to Milwaukee. It's a it's a Monday Tuesday set because Christmas falls on a Friday. It's a little bit of a complication to this year's holiday tournaments, but. Clarkson is headed over there. That'll be uh, that'll be the third game uh, against Clarkson that they'll play uh, this upcoming season. And UConn is also headed there. UConn, uh, I I would keep an eye out on UConn for next season uh, in the Hockey East because they really turned it on down the stretch. They had a really good recruiting class last year. They've got another good one coming in again and uh, full of international flavor. They're doing. They're doing things differently at UConn. They're doing it. They're doing it well, though. They're doing it the right way, and they uh, they almost uh, snuck into second place in hockey East quietly uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I'm not sure how many people actually noticed. Uh, Wisconsin, obviously, uh, Wisconsin things uh, going could go better for Wisconsin, but you don't want to underestimate them as uh, Arizona State found out this season. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. All right, so as we wrap things up with Greg Cameron from College Hockey News, we're going to get you back on again um, because I want to talk to you about the 
the Hobie Baker winners and, and all that good stuff as we wind that down. And then I also want to hear about the simulations when you guys announce uh, how these games would have played out because you are going to go all the way to the national championship, I'm guessing, right? Yes, we have everything through the Frozen Four sims, uh, but we are uh, still waiting to sim the Frozen Four right now. We don't know how exactly we're going to do it yet, but uh, it's a simulation that uh, it came out. It came out really entertaining. I'll just uh, I'll just leave <laughs> I'll just leave that in. It came out very entertaining. That's fantastic. Well, you've uh, you've awesome. been a great source of information for us. I know uh, Paul is an extremely happy man because he'd like nothing more than a shovel full of dirt. Uh, send out to him on Long Island so he can have uh, the first <laughs> shovel full. Um, yeah, I'm counting on you that. for that, Scott. <laughs> I'll be out there with a bag, Paul, when they start doing that, just to bag a little bit up for you. Okay. It's all right. <laughs> Greg, thanks again for joining us, uh, and thanks again for staying on for two segments. I appreciate it. Uh, we will have uh, Brinson Pashnik joining us here in just a few minutes, and uh, and we'll take it away from there. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes.